0: We welcome to the Only Fools and Horses podcast, Nabil el Hafi. How's it going? Well, thank you. Although I'm embarrassed to be eating a biscuit as you introduced me, sorry.
1: (laughs) That's all right. Better known as? Gary. Gary, yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah. One of the joys of my acting career, for sure. And how
0: did you get that role in the first place?
1: Oh God, it's going back 20 years now, my friend. I auditioned for it. I do remember the process. I auditioned for it. I wasn't um, at that point. Obviously, I was aware of the show, but I wasn't aware of its enormity because, to be honest, I didn't watch much TV. I knew that it was on. I liked it, but I wasn't like a fan fan. And then I went in, and uh, at the same time, I was just doing. I was doing an independent film, and I remember I went in, read for it well read the one line uh they talked to me about what was going on they explained to me that one of the reasons that they were concerned is because it was going to be a live studio audience they wanted an actor who'd had some experience who wasn't afraid who wasn't going to be intimidated by being out in 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 front of the public as it were uh in terms of as a a, a, in a live studio context which you know is is quite intimidating but luckily at that point i you know i'd already done quite a bit of theatre. So I'd spent a lot of time at, with audiences. So I wasn't, that it felt like an actual place for me. So uh, yeah, that's how, that was the first part of the interview. And then what happened was I got the job and then I was told that there was a problem with my with one of my availability dates. If you remember the episode, obviously the guys go over to France and what they wanted to do is there was a part, portion of the filming, which was going to be in, in Dieppe in France and they needed me there. And I wasn't available because I was doing I was doing a film. So then I got the call saying, Look, I'm really from my agent saying, Look, I'm really sorry, Nabil, but you know, it's not going to work out. These dates clash. So I was absolutely gutted because, well, because it was work. And then I got a call back saying, you know, John Sullivan really likes you. He's your favourite. So they've dropped the scenes in France so that you could do it, which was really, really, really lovely. So that's, that's a, a slightly rambly version of how that all came into being.
2: When you say the scenes in France, Nabil, <laughs> is, is that the ones we see? It's with the, your father, isn't it? Well,
1: no, that's it, all back in the UK at, at that point. Yeah. Uh, what was that? I can't remember. No, it was the part where, they, where they're actually loading up the van and all that. They wanted, to be honest, they just hadn't thought that they wanted to place me in France visibly. So I yeah. don't know how they were going to do that, whether it was, I'd be outside the store because you know, the story is obviously my dad's this entrepreneur and, you know, he's got lots of money and I'm just helping out in the warehouse, which is how I've ended up in the back of their lorry in the back of Denzel's lorry. And, but they just, they just realized that actually it wasn't absolutely crucial that they could make it work otherwise. So, I mean, I think, I think had it been a more complicated situation, then I probably would have lost a job or but you know with someone like John Sullivan, obviously if he wants you he wants you and and that was that you know that's actually one of you know again one of the one of the highlights of my career you know, meeting somebody like that working with him, you know he, he was such a lovely man, very generous, very nice in that business, especially for a, for an inexperienced young actor, which is what I was at that point. I'd done a couple of years of work, but, you know, I wasn't, you know, kind of experienced. So, yeah, that,
2: there you go. What, what did you think of the script when you read it, when the first time you read it? did you think... I thought it was hysterical. Mm.
1: I thought, well, that's probably a, la- a little bit exaggerated. I thought it was, it was funny. I didn't
2: really fully see how funny it was until I saw it. And what, and what was it like wearing Del Boy's pyjamas and dressing gown? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing, again, is like, you know, I was slightly protected against being in awe of any of this stuff because... I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't like a super fan. I wasn't, I've always been like that. I don't really, not to say that I'm not intimidated, but but I'm not, I've never kind of been in awe of, of the business. I've never been that way inclined. I mean, I've worked with all sorts of people. I don't really phase me too much. I'm like, well, well, here we are again. Like, take it in my shot. That's been a, a bit of a superpower in a way. Like, and, you know, one that is just unwittingly, I just, you know. So I just enjoyed being up there working because, you know, doing a live studio audience was a lot of fun. I love having the audience there. And um, and the guys were really, really warm and welcoming to me. You know, they were very, very warm. You know, you're walking into a family of 20 years. you know what I mean? In fact, to this day, I'm still, I mean, I'm still good friends with Gwyneth, you know, with uh, Cassandra's character. Cassandra. Yeah, Gwyneth. We're still good friends. I bumped into, I just bumped into Nicholas... Maybe about two or three years ago, I think he was filming that police thing that he does with the, I think it was Dennis Waterman and a bunch of the, uh, new, the other new guys. Trip.
2: New trip. Yeah, mm.
1: and I was, I remember it was on the Goldbourne Road in W10, uh, which is where it was. Actually, a while ago, it must have. It must have been, oh God, two years. I'm talking rubbish. It must have been about ten years ago, actually. Must, you know, while they were still filming that. I noticed that they were filming and obviously whenever as an actor, you notice people are filming, you're always curious as to what they're filming. And as I walked there, the director was a guy called Brian Grant and he direct directed me in something years and years ago. So I saw him first and I thought, Oh, it's Brian. And you know, so I said, "Hello, Brian, how are you? And he immediately remembered me. He directed me in a pilot called as if uh, for channel four years ago. And, uh, and then as he was speaking, I saw Nicholas across the road standing there. And I thought, I wonder if he'll remember, like, of course I knew he'd remember me, but I was curious as to how he would kind of, you know, see me, because I Mm. hadn't seen him, you know, since the day. And I looked at him and I went, Gary? (laughs) And he just, bless him, he came straight
0: over, gave me a big hug, asked how I was, you know, very warm person, very decent man, actually. And Nabil, it it does feel very much like a family, doesn't it? It sounds a bit mushy, but it's true. They're very close, aren't they, the cast?
1: Well, you know this. This is what happens. I mean, I guess in any work environment, you end up developing a kind of it is a type. of You know, it's another community of yours, right? So, in that respect, yeah. But you know, I hadn't. Again, one hasn't hadn't really fully appreciated the length of time that those guys have worked together. Work for. I mean, they've worked together for twenty years. It's like insane. That in of itself is enough to make a kind of unit, let alone to work on such a beloved show. Um, and to be part of the kind of, literally part of the fabric of comedy television in the, in the United Kingdom. I mean, it's like there isn't a place. To this day, it's the thing that I go everywhere and people will be like, oh, it's Gary, you know, all the time, all the time. And that's 20
0: years ago. And you're fine with that, aren't you, Nabil? It doesn't bother you. I'm
1: totally fine with it, yeah. I mean, it's not like people are coming up to me saying, where's my money? It's <laughs> <laughs> great, you know, people are pretty respectful. And I think there's another thing. If you make people laugh, they deal with you differently there's a warmth that they have to you because if somebody makes you laugh it makes you smile you know oh yeah you know it's it's that kind of a feeling it's it's different from being like an actor in a drama where people may respond to you for being famous literally that's it you know you're on the tv you're famous i'm gonna uh, you know and and that's enough to impress me was with with the gary thing it wasn't that it was like wow that was a You were really funny. And that was a really good episode. That's the thing that I keep hearing. And, and, you know, and I'm lucky. I think I did luck out with that episode. I think it was a really, it was a strong episode. Irrelevant of the conceit of it was really funny. And the whole setup was funny. So I was very lucky like that. No, I have a a lot of gratitude for it. And, you know, even now to this day, pre-COVID, obviously, uh, you know, sometimes I'd go and do the conventions. And the general feeling is that of pure warmth. You just forget how important it is, you know, to laugh. People say this like glit like kind of casually, but I don't I mean this fully. It's a it's a really healing thing to laugh. It's 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 really good for you to laugh. It's it helps, you know? It helps. Do people shout Gary at you? Yeah. Is that the most common thing? Yeah. I mean it's between that and other things, like, you know, I've been lucky enough to, you know, to do a few things and just depends on the demographic and the people who are interested in it, you know. So, for instance, you know, I mean, I do find that for some reason, van men love a Gary. All the guys in the vans, you know, all the workers, you know. I don't just think it's like a real working class thing. Do you know what I mean? It's a real working class show, and it's also an affectionate look at the working life, and the working class experience, just trying to make things happen. Being a hustler, you know, of being a really bad hustler. It's not really the worst, you know what I mean? Log effects, gas fires, God almighty, you know what I mean? But, you know, one of the things that John had said was that all of these stories had come directly from his experiences all happened to him in his family
0: and that's why it's so good i think because it's yeah. based on real life experiences yeah, yeah. i mean obviously i don't obviously
1: my, the episode i did wasn't that but no. he just says he draws from <laughs> those those characters that come up you know those situations and certainly a lot of the story early storylines and you know in the series have come from direct stories that he'd experienced and certainly growing up in west london in a working class environment with a mixed community there were, there were many, many Dell boys. I mean, you know, it's it kind of so relatable. It's like everybody knows somebody like that, especially if you're working club. Everybody knows somebody who's always got something to trying
2: to get rid of. It's, it's, it's insane. Did you watch your episode on Christmas Day in the Beer like the rest of us in 2002?
1: Um, now, here's the funny thing.
2: I'm embarrassed to say, I can't remember whether I watched it live. I think I
1: did. I think I watched it. I can't remember. It's the truth. That's terrible. I remember obviously filming it and all that. I'm not big on watching my stuff, especially back then. Now I do. Now I try and watch it, but I watch it very clearly. I mean, like previously I was like, why am I watching it? It's like just to say, oh, that's, you know. Whereas now I watch it with a critical eye. I watch it to think, okay, what can I do differently? What, was, what worked, what didn't? So I kind of w- watch it through a kind of... um a Professional lens, as it were, trying to be a bit forensic about it. But I don't tend to watch stuff back then. I, w- I felt uncomfortable watching it. I just didn't like watching myself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I find that a lot with actors. They don't like watching themselves back, do they? <laughs> For some reason. Kind of funny, it's funny, it's isn't it? <laughs> critical eye, I guess, because you're looking at it at a different point of yeah. view, aren't you? I mean, I started watching something that I was in and I didn't like what I was doing and
1: it really upset me and I switched it off. It was like, oh, I don't want to watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> excuse my friends you know I was I, I didn't I didn't buy it but that's I mean look you know nobody's saving lives here but you know you want what you do you want it to you want it to land I mean it's, there are all that many things you have to have pride in something I guess
2: what was your favourite memory of being on the set
1: well, there were a couple. There was the first time that I arrived in Bristol, which is where we we were staying to do all the Mandela House, or the market stuff, because that's where it was filming at the time. And I remember walking into this quite grand hotel, and uh, it was an old building because it was kind of all like old, dark wood and candles. And it was really lush. And I remember walking in, and they were all sat there except for... What well, it was Denzel was sat there, Trigger was there, there's was a few of them, and God forgive me, my memory's so bad at the minute. What's trigger's what's trigger's name again? The actor. Roger so, no, no. so he was sat down, I remember he was reading this this broadsheet with his glasses kind of slightly, you know, like very kind of intellectual guy actually. Anyway, and then, and, and I walked in and I was a bit nervous. And Denzel, if I'm not mistaken, call me over. He's like, come over here, lads, you know. And uh, and just, like, made me feel really welcomed, you know what I mean? So that was a wonderful memory. The memory that I hold dearest, not to sound dramatic about it, but the memory that I do hold dearest was at the end of the show, which we did in White City when we did the BBC live studio audience which is now you know luxury flats by the way we did the show it went well in the green room i had all my family there which was lovely they would all come along went to the green room and nicholas bless him calls me over and says Nabil, i want you to come and meet i'd love you to come and meet my mother so he calls me over to his mum and he says my uh, mum this is not bill and he and he said to me and he said to her it was so nice he goes I'm going to really enjoy watching the bill's career explode. It was just like such a lovely, generous, hearted thing. And he, he won't remember that. I doubt it. But I do. And he always, especially at that point, a little kind of, kindness and generosity of spirit. You don't forget something like that. Really kind man, actually, really kind man.
2: I was thinking about your episode, obviously, before we can have a chat. You had the ultimate experience because you, you had a, a scene with all, all the cast, really, didn't you? Trigger, yeah. uh, Denzel, Del, Rodney, yeah. Cassandra, Raquel, Damien, everybody. The lot,
1: the lot, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was,
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there was that scene in, in,
1: in the, when I first arrived and they're all around me questioning me, you know, and just, well, not questioning me, deciding what to do with me and they say, uh, he might be he might be a member of Arcade and they, you know, they say, well, does he look like he works, he works in a furniture store and all that. That, you know, that scene where they're all kind <laughs> yeah. of around me, that was fantastic as well because, you know, being the kind of object of all their gaze. do you know what I mean? Uh, that was real fun. And obviously, I you know, all I had to do, which is, harder than it looks is just say stay switched on you know it's hard you know no no, no it's not neuroscience but it's to stay a lot switched on and, and react in a way which is convincing but not over the top that you actually don't know what people are saying and you don't know what's going on and you know that was fun to do as well because there's always something lovely about playing having something like that as an activity you know as a kind of subtext you know what i mean it kind of keeps keeps the scene alive and i think that worked actually
2: Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look.
0: I actually think it's one of the best scenes in the last three episodes, definitely. I think, think that episode, as you said, it's a very strong episode. I'd say it's the best of the last three. In my yeah, view. I do. Just the whole scenario, as you said. I mean, you get brought back to the flat. It's just I everything mean, without it. Because the reason why I think it works is because in a, in a bizarre way, you can see the logic to it. You can, it, it's
1: kind of as mad as it is, it's slightly conceivable. Like, what do we do? We don't let him go because he might cut a deal. Okay, what we do? Oh, Jesus, let's take him up to the flat. Okay, what, what
0: who is he? Oh, he's he's your mate.
1: <laughs> it just it's like one thing you can see how that unfat unpacks.
0: Give him a vindaloo, yeah. yeah, 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 and you know, and that
1: kind of bizarre that setup up with the. With the ladies, you know, where they're just looking, you know, it's a great scene where nobody quite knows what to do, you know, and there's that that's such a kind of delicate scene because it's the kind of thing where it's there's a tension in it. It's like one step away from not from being quite boring, like if nothing nothing happens. But that tension of okay, what's going to happen? Who is he? It's like that kind of thing is really fun to play. It's like an actor's fun gig, because you're just all trying to find out how long can we pull this off for, you know? Has he got a name? <laughs> <laughs> like, and of course, I mean, and, and then of course, another thing, Gary. I mean, what a great choice for a name, for me. I couldn't be further lo- away from looking like a
2: Gary. <laughs> so it's like just that alone is just hysterical. I was Gary. reading the press actually about the name Gary. I think it's true that there's not been someone called Gary since 1992 or something strange, is but- it? Yeah, I, I read this somewhere. Mm. I, I, I remember this coming up. Well, I mean, listen, to this day, as I said, I mean, the amount
1: of Gary's that I get and it, like, you just, you just, it never ceases to surprise me. I mean, like when I, well, like, again, when I think about it, that, what was it, 2002 or three? Yeah, 2002. Yeah. I mean, that is insane. That's 19 20 years ago. ago.
0: Yeah, 19 yeah. years ago.
1: Yeah, and to think that it still holds weight. My Neighbour, the other, literally a couple of days ago, obviously it makes it easier to, that it stays stays kind of present because they do play it. they still play it. So there's, it's introduced to a whole new generation. There are lots of kids, for instance, young, young kids who love that character. There's something kind of simple about the setup, which really means that lots of people love it. It's, it's a kind of old school way of doing things, you know? It's like the old Faulty Towers, you know, another great comedy. Comedy programming is, you know, those, those series, they never get old because those setups are so, so straightforward, but they're hysterical because they're, it's about character. Do you know how many people watched that episode that you were in, by the way? I'm not sure, but I believe, if I'm not say, mistaken, my brother sent this to me. It's like one of the highest
2: ever, I think. Mm. I believe it was 12 or 13 million. It was 16.3 million. Um, wow. And watched it. <laughs> the most watched show that year. Um, that's and, insane. Yeah, and it, I was looking, what was second? It was actually um, England v Brazil in the World Cup was second. So you can imagine how people were watching <laughs> the football, but only fools and all actually it's That's
1: amazing. That's football. really amazing. Also, obviously, television was very different then. we didn't have this, you know, we t- I don't think we'd get numbers like that now, given the streaming services that are available. I don't know how that's all, you know, I'm not really a numbers man. It's, I mean, Christmas Day. I mean, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, wasn't it? Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Jesus, that's right. Christmas Day. God damn it. Wow. Unbelievable, really. Sometimes sometimes you go through life. I mean, I sometimes pinch myself. Every now and again, I look at the work that I've been lucky enough to be part of, and I just, I don't know, I just kind of... Gratitude for it, because I, you know, I'm very lucky. I've worked with some fantastic, and also in all kinds of different genres and different, you know, broad comedy like that. What is obviously a national soap operas. But let I me mean, last last um, October, I just finished. I did a little bit of work on a film which is coming out by one of my favourite directors of all time, a, a chap called Terence Malick, and he makes very, very few films. Very few films. And, you know, I got a little bit of work on him. So it's just like, great. I, you know, so yeah, I'm very lucky, very fortunate.
0: And I suppose as a busy actor, that must be hard to do sometimes to just just stop and think, oh, I've done this, this was great. And because you're so yeah. busy at the time, aren't yeah. you normally?
1: Well, I think sometimes it's not even so much to do with busy because I'm
0: certainly not, you know, it's not as though, like, you know, scripts are being thrown at me every
1: other day. You know, as uh, I think one of the, the realities, which I often impress upon actors coming up in the business is, prepare yourself for a lot of downtime too and prepare yourself for lots of no's and prepare yourself for, you know, for difficulties. It's, it's, it's a mental game. It's, it's, you know, and even as you go up the kind of ladder, you go up the ladder, you've still got competition that's going up the ladder. And in fact, the road gets narrower. No, I think it's just to do with just a general human condition. Often we don't really take, take stock of what we have. It's easier to think about what you don't have Whereas actually, it's quite, it's, it's very, I find it very important to, to think about what you have going for you, you know, what you have, all the f- blessings, because, you know, this life is full of blessings and curses. I mean, we're all going to get our, there's nobody I know that's not touched by tragedy, difficulty, heartache, financial, you know, every every single person I know has that. Nobody, You know, it's, it's part of the human condition, so it's just, Sometimes you look at things like, you know, it'd be easy for me to say, oh, my God, you know, so-and-so, I started before him and now look at him or so-and-so's doing it. I think that's a, that's a treacherous, those are, those be treacherous waters to be sailing in. I call it the, the com- compare and despair. Don't do it. Stick on your part game plan. Get on with what you can. Be grateful for what you've got and work towards
2: what you want, you know, and see what happens there, you know. I didn't realise your character name, first name until today. Did, do you remember what it was? Gary's the character, isn't it? But I didn't realise what your real name was on the show. You know. Oh, story. remind me. It was Rashid. Yeah, that's what, Rashid. Yeah, Rashid. Rashid Mahmood. Mah- Mahmood. That's Mahmood, right. Yeah. Mahmood, yes. Mahmood.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Mahmood. Yeah. Because the the chap Nasser who played my dad, sweet fella. I haven't spoken to him for a while, but he lives up in Bristol. He's got a theatre company up there. Lovely fella. I mean, even he still gets people remembering you're you're Gary's dad.
2: Gary's dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have any memorabilia from the show in a bit at all? You know, you know, funnily
1: you got, enough, you didn't keep I think I've got pajamas. The BBC, I've got the, the pass for the BBC White City show somewhere. I did have the script, and I actually I actually gave it away. I gave it away. I actually had the original script. Oh, wow. And I gave that away as, well, it was for a good cause. I don't know. At that point, I, you just take things for granted, so you don't ever... It's like you forget that one day it's not going to be there. Do you know what I mean? And now it's funny, it's like, creep up towards my, you know, my late 40s. I um, It's funny, I do like to take pictures or I do like to document things because I'm aware that, you know, you don't know how, you know, one day you want to leave some stuff you want to be able to look back on things, memories to be
0: cherished. Definitely, and I mean, it, just to imagine how many people you've made laugh through that one oh, scene I mean, alone. I,
1: I, I mean, I have this all. Like I said, I have this a lot. I, I do meet people, and they are very, very grateful, and it really makes me smile. It genuinely makes me smile. I'm like, that's really yeah, that's nice. It's nothing. Like I said, I don't think there's a, a better thing to do than, well to provoke somebody into like deep action and thought is the only thing better than making them laugh. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. if you're not profoundly changing somebody's, you know, like sometimes you might hear somebody I like, who's a writer who has inspired a lot of people. And sometimes, you get the response you know people have have contacted this person and said you help you've changed my life i mean that's the only thing that tops making people laugh in my opinion do you know what i mean like you know you you've you've done something which has profoundly changed the way i think i mean obviously that would be that you know that's the job of, of philosophers i guess but um making somebody laugh bringing some reprieve bringing some levity into somebody's life is the best
2: Laughter is the best medicine.
1: It really is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I really do. I mean, I had this the other day. I was watching a couple of episodes of QI on Dave and they were just making me laugh because they were just having fun. And it's, you know, it's so clever, but it's so sort of full of heart. I spent about two hours, I watched like two, two, three episodes or two episodes and I was laughing so much my cheeks were hurting. At the end of it, I just thought, God, I needed that. Oh man, I really needed that laugh. It's like I've just taken a big dose of medicine, yeah. and of course, that's exactly what it is. Because when you laugh, you know the, the internal circuitry is, you know, sending all that good stuff coursing through your 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 nervous system, and things that seem daunting kind of you lose some of their some of their heat. And kind of, oh, okay, fair enough.
2: <laughs> Where would you rank your um, role on Only and Horses? Because I know you're in EastEnders, you were Tariq in EastEnders, and you've done yeah. movies. Oh, it's movies.
1: definitely one of the most important things I've ever done it's definitely the it's the thing i'm most fondest of it's up there no doubt about it it's up there definitely up there you know eastenders wasn't the same for me eastenders was a lot of, i find the public the public interfacing much much trickier on eastenders eastenders are a very different thing especially in the period that i was in which was at the height of the kind of press savagery as i called it it was a time where you were currency so you were under, you were you were under a magnifying glass you know and it just felt very much like you were watched and you couldn't trust anybody, kind of currency, you know, people wanted to sell stories on you, and it's total different, so I didn't enjoy my time in terms of the public thing, you know, and I've never been one, I'm not interested in fame, I'm not interested in that, you know, celebrity and fame, it doesn't interest me, I find it, um, it just doesn't interest me, it's not why I did what I did, obviously a byproduct of doing stuff, you know, what I have now, which I'm really happy I have, is there's enough of a body of work that people know me as an actor who has done various things. So it's like, oh, I'm about to go on to Vera to do an episode as a, a guest episode. and I'm looking forward to that, but it was interesting to speak to the director and him talk about several of my, ro- several jobs that I've done and why he wanted to use me and why they offered me the job. And I loved what you did in X and oh, that was really interesting what you did in Y and that was a great show. So suddenly that's different, you know, it's like, you know, okay, I'm a craftsman, I'm doing what I'm doing and people respect that. It's not because I'm on the show and because I people recognise me. I'm not
2: that interested in that. <laughs> How long did it take to film your scenes, Nabil? Would it have been a week or longer? No, it was. If I'm not mistaken, I have the definite memory of a couple of weeks in
1: Bristol, and then they booked me for a week for the um, live studio audience, which we did obviously on, on, you know, live two or three weeks commitment, and it has that kind of an impact. It's
2: fantastic. Great. Well, thanks a lot right. for
0: joining us, Nabil.
2: Thank no, it's you. a pleasure. Could we have a Gary before you go? You can certainly have a Gary.
0: Gary? <laughs> Gary. <laughs> Gary.
1: God bless you guys. Yeah,
0: take care. We've got some half-price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs, deep freeze, and David Bowie OPs, pool games, gold chains, wuss names, and of Push, and Trevor Francis tracksuits from a mush, and shepherds Bush. Bush, 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 Bush. Bush, Bush. No tax, no VAT No money back, no guarantee Black or white, rich or poor, We'll cut prices and a straw God bless, Hooky Street Viva, Hooky Street Long live, Hooky Street Same and defeat, Hooky Street